This is the movie Hall of Fame Class of 1968. Here on Thursday, April 4th, 2019. A little phlegm in the throat. I apologize, Adam. You Hall. know what? Me too, actually. It's okay. <clears throat> yeah, it's been weird. Are we coming down with something? I'm always coming down with something, Mika. <laughs> oh, you know it. That's what your mother said when she had, when she <laughs> gave birth to you. <laughs> or when she found out she was pregnant. Right. And coming down with yeah. something. Its <laughs> its name is Adam. Much like Rosemary and Rosemary's baby. <laughs> That's how she reacted that day when she looked into the crib. Hail Satan. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, hey, hey, everyone. Hey, we haven't done this in a while. I feel like it's been like a month. No, we just we stopped to talk about Oos. We talked about Oos. Um, we recorded the last two episodes a while back, so now we're uh, we got to learn how to do this again. Do we have to talk about Endgame when it comes out? Is no, it- we don't have to. Okay. We don't even have to see it. You know, there's no like law that mandates you see Endgame. I know. I got a buddy who wants to see it though, and I guess, so do I. I, I, guess, I have all sorts of buddies. I mean, I'm gonna see it. You know. I, I still don't... I, I made it very clear. What's going to happen is Endgame is going to come out, and I'm going to be like, Endgame. I don't need to see that shit. Yeah. And then 20 people are going to text me that weekend <clears throat> saying, yo, you seen Endgame yet? I got to talk to you about it. And then I'll rush to the theater and spend eight hours tracking down tickets like a dude outside a Knicks game looking for nosebleed seats. Yes. I'm ready, and I'm ready for that. It happens every time a Marvel movie comes out. Mm-hmm. I big time it at first, and then I end up caving, and it makes things way more painful for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you could, it's is it like a bad drug? I yeah, suppose is kinda. it really a bad drug, or is it just these these people trying to force the drugs down your throat? Yes, they're really annoying dealers. All right, it's it's a legal narcotic, is what it is. <laughs> I like it. So they're just out. Yeah, it's really annoying. Still, no Captain Marvel has been injected into my eyeballs, so I'm happy to say that. I guess. Congrats, man. Yeah, yeah, that thing's a total waste of time. <laughs> That's just a waste of a day. Yeah. If you go see that, it's like, man, all, you. It's one of those movies where you can't help but think about all the shit you could be doing instead of watching that movie. <laughs> okay. That's fair. my thought on it. Don't yeah, don't watch uh, Captain Marvel. Devote an entire day to just watching Suspiria, and you'll be perfectly fine with yeah, yourself. Yeah, I still got to do that. I apologize. <laughs> well, I still have to do Triple Frontier, so it's okay. We're on even keels here. <laughs> Triple Frontier. What are you even talking about? Dude, my dad watched <laughs> Triple Frontier the other day, and I walked in the room as he was watching it. Oh, boy. It, one of my favorite scenes in the movie involving a mule falling off the side of a cliff. <laughs> And I was like, yes, Triple Frontier. <laughs> what? It was, yo, they literally push a mule off the side of a cliff. And it's the fucking best shot in the whole movie. Is it funny? Or is it like... I found it hilarious. <laughs> I know it wasn't played for that. But I okay. loved it so much. Okay. Yeah. And the mule, get this, has lots of cash strapped to it. So the shot of him falling off a cliff. Yeah. And the cash just raining down <laughs> upon him. You know, like at a two-second delay. It's like a pinata. <laughs> I didn't really think about it that way, but yeah. I thought about it as a metaphor for American capitalism, but yeah, sure, pinata too. <laughs> Dude, you got to see Triple Frontier. It's bananas. Okay. That movie's fucking awesome. All right. Uh, we're here to talk about old movies today, though. Inducting another entry into the Movie Hall of Fame. We've done this four times. Yeah. We did it with Pan's Labyrinth in 2006, mm-hmm. Toy Story in 1995, Raging Bull in 1980, and 
unfortunately, a princess bride. In- no, we're the only ones, I think, who feel that it's unfortunate, though. Because when I ask people, they're like, oh, good job. I'm like, right. Okay. And uh, what, what year is that? 1987? Seven. Yeah. 1987. Okay. And now we're going to do it with the year 1968. Yeah. One of these six movies will be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Your nominees are 2001, colon, A Space Odyssey, mm-hmm. Night of the Living Dead, Planet of the Apes, Bullet, with an I, Once Upon a Time in the West, and Rosemary's Baby. 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 Here's my baby. One of these six nominees will get into the Hall of Fame. Our job is to figure out which movie that is going to be. Exactly. Let's get into it, shall we? Yeah, let's try anyway. The year 1968, I would consider a very strong year. In movies, one of the mo- yeah, one of the more important years, in my opinion. Certainly, actually. an important year, an eclectic year, which makes me so much more pissed off that these were your winners at the 1968 Academy Awards. <laughs> the movies nominated for Best Picture were Romeo and Juliet, Rochelle, Rochelle, or is it Rachel, Rachel, Rochelle, Rochelle? Okay, because I just think of Seinfeld every time. <laughs> but that's that's Rochelle, Rochelle. It's Rochelle Rochelle. I'm okay. Sure, yeah. All right. The Lion in Winter. Have you ever heard of that movie? Nope. Funny Girl? No. Which I've heard of, but never seen. Yeah. Uh, and the winner for Best Picture, Oliver! Oh, really? Exclamation point. Okay. That's why I scream it. Interesting. The Oliver Twist, I guess, is in a musical adaptation. I'm not sure. Oliver? Oliver! No, it's like, Papa, can you hear me? <laughs> Yeah, that one. Carol Reed <laughs> won for Best Director. For the... What? For Oliver. Oh, for Oliver. Beating out Stanley Kubrick for 2001 A Space Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> the guy died without an Oscar. Cliff yep. Robertson won for the movie Charlie. That is the Best Actor winner for that year. Okay. Catherine Hepburn and Barbara Streisand. The rare tie at the Academy Awards in the Best Actress category. Both of them took home Best Actress. Did Barbara Streisand get it for Oliver? For Funny Girl. <clears throat> She was in an Oliver adaptation, I thought. Okay. Well, not this one. Okay. Barbara Streisand wins for Funny Girl. Catherine Hepburn wins for The Lion in Winter. Uh, Best Supporting Actor, Jack Albertson for The Subject Roses. And Best Supporting Actress. Oh, here you go. Here's a good game. Which, the the winner of this award was from one of our six movies. What do you think it was? Uh, which, Which award? Best Supporting Actor. Supporting Actor. Wow. I'm sorry. No, Supporting Actress, I should say. Oh, best supporting actress who won? Yes. Oh, I I, I know. It's uh it's Ruth uh, Ruth Gordon. Gordon, yeah. Ruth Gordon, who was also Maud in Harold and Maud. One of my favorite movies. Same with me. Which we will be talking about, Same. I'm sure, when that year comes around. Fucking love Harold and Maud. Great one. <laughs> oh, it's so good. No, it's it could be in my top ten. That movie's so good. Uh, yeah, Ruth Gordon wins best supporting actress. <clears throat> Highest grossing movie of the year. Two thousand and one: A Space Odyssey. I'm trying to. Pick, it's okay. <laughs> Imagine releasing 2001 today and just seeing how people react to it. Could you imagine it being like the blockbuster that I know it people are, are <laughs> exactly right after Endgame. You go out to Double see Bill with yeah. 2001. Yeah, you could no, you could do Guardians of the Galaxy two right into <laughs> two charming space romps back to back. I want to show like Fury Road and then show 2001 back to back. Be like the fastest movie ever versus. The slowest movie ever. Yeah, I, th- literally this movie would, it would gross zero dollars. It would lose so much money at the box office. But then it was revolutionary, and obviously that's part of the movie's lore. Yep. 
Uh, number two was Funny Girl. Number three, The Love Bug, the original Herbie movie. Really? Yeah. Okay. You ever seen that? No. I liked it as a kid. The Odd Couple is number four. Bullet number five. So forth and so on. Night of the Living Dead, as a matter of fact, was the 10th highest grossing movie of that year after being made on a shoestring budget. I can see it. Made $30 million at the box office. Crazy stuff. The National Film Registry inducts seven movies from the year 1968. And all of them we nominated. Yes. All six of our movies and Faces. Which I have seen. A John Cassavetes movie. Yeah. Who's also in Rosemary's Baby. Who's also from Rosemary's Baby. Do you like Faces? No. (laughs) <laughs> okay <laughs> Among the movies that we could have nominated But did not It was actually a fairly straightforward decision The only movie I sort of toiled with was The Odd Couple Just because it's Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau I know Neil Simon wrote it He did? One of, yeah, one of the all-time great playwrights Wrote, wrote that um, And I believe won the Oscar for best screenplay Interesting, I didn't know that For that, yeah And, uh, you know Spawned a legendary TV show so it's certainly an iconic movie, and a movie that I actually like. I saw it a long time ago, but um, that was the only one. Other than that, The Thomas Crown Affair, yeah. remade as a pretty good movie in the 90s. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, <laughs> a movie that I watched so much as a kid, I wanted to pierce my ears open. <laughs> chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, oh yes, we love you. Fuck that movie. <laughs> it's one of a friend of mine's like favorite movies, and I don't understand why. <laughs> So that I I associate that movie with going to my grandmother's house. Okay. And maybe that's why I don't like it. Yeah, it's an, a pretty obnoxious movie. I've only seen it once, and I'm like, yeah, this ain't for me. I had it on VHS tape. <laughs> oh, oh, God. VHS tape? Yes. What a guy you are. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang on VHS. What a, what a time you used to What a time, in. man. <laughs> the early 2000s were crazy times. The, be- the best movie about a flying car? It, maybe? Well, Back to the Future 2. Back to the Future 2? That's about a flying car. But not Back to the Future... Well, I guess... Well, the DeLorean only flies in two. Well, it's not about the car. Well, I guess it kind of... It kind of is. Well, maybe. That's my vote. Back to the Future Part 2. Dude, that kicks the whole plot into motion. I suppose. Of course it's about a flying car. I suppose. Well... It's just sort of incidental that it flies. I guess. Yellow Submarine, the Beatles movie, also came out that year. Love that movie. Do you? Mm -hmm. I've never seen it. It's great. But if you want a you want a good psychedelic trip and you don't um you know you don't want to get high you could watch two thousand one you could watch Mandy or you could also watch two thousand one I mean not two thousand one Yellow Submarine Yellow no, Submarine whatever <laughs> two thousand one yeah. or Mandy or two thousand one well just watch yeah two thousand one back oh my god could you imagine two thousand one Mandy and then two thousand one again <laughs> did you would have to be heavily intoxicated <laughs> I would heavily intoxicated. You know, that's just a, a recipe for suicide right there, I think. I think you would every single person would die by the end of that. There's no living from it. I would feel way more alive. <laughs> or Dude, how, how about Mandy 2001, Mandy? I want whatever that drug is, I want it. <laughs> I want to stand outside a street corner with the same dude who's selling me the Avengers Endgame tickets. And, and I just want to go, hey, bro, get any, any of that Mandy 2001 Mandy shit? I just imagine Nico like standing on top of the, the AMC theaters completely naked and just screaming out, I am the Lizard King. <laughs> bro, movies are my drugs. <laughs> That's the thing, because yeah. I've never done a, an, an illegal substance in my life. I've never been high on anything. So right. going to the movies, that's that's what it is for me, baby. 
Just so, shoot it into my system. That's fine. That's I, I I still feel like, you know, you're playing with fire if you mix certain elements together. I mean, could you imagine that? I mean, seriously, think about what that would do. Mandy to twice. I don't know what that would do for me. Ooh, how about this? Mm. You 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 <laughs> you do Mandy shot a Mandy shot a Mandy. You do a little bit of two thousand one. Yeah. Now, what's the chaser? The chaser can be. You throw Mad Max in there eh, a little bit. No. No. Not Fury Road. Mm. Not enough. Not enough adrenaline. You could Not use, enough. You could use some adrenaline. I need some blue velvet. Okay, some blue velvet. I need some young at heart. But you have to. You have a downer coming your way, so I'm going to put pink flamingos in there. No. And then <laughs> that is. <laughs> oh God, dude, that's not a drug, dude. What? That, no, no, that pink flamingo. Okay, so Mandy's LSD. Okay, yeah. Which like has its benefits. It sure. expands the brain a bit. Pink flamingos is heroin. Yes, it's just straight, but it's like the dirty heroin mm, that you that you find off of a dead hobo, right? That like some drug lord poisoned before it came over the border. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's it's raging hard for <laughs> it's New York raging City. Hard. Well, that's a statement for no. You don't want flamingos. pink flamingos. That's it's a virus, and you take it up your butt. <laughs> sure. You have to you have to lay down on the grass and spread your ass. What are we talking about? <laughs> What's happening here? This is pink, pink flamingos is in, infesting my brain again. Where do you want to start? Uh, well, honestly, we'll just start from what, whatever's on your list first. Oh, okay. Let's start with this then. <laughs> okay. Two thousand and one, a space odyssey. <laughs> All right, let's just let's do, do it. it. Okay. I saw this movie when I was like fifteen years old. Me too. About maybe even younger, actually. So I used to be obsessed with the AFI lists. Still am to a certain extent. And when that was rated like the number one science fiction movie of all time, I rushed out to see it. And I remember despising this movie, <laughs> despising it, I, I, loathing it. I had the exact same experience. I hate it. <laughs> oh my god, I hated it. Yep, me too. I'm like, it, this is so slow. What is even happening? <laughs> I don't know what it means. I don't care about any of these images. What are these giant, uh, like silver walls? <laughs> Pop. Like I, I didn't know what they were called or why I should be focusing on them. The whole the monkey part pissed me the fuck off. <laughs> it's like I could just go to the zoo if I wanted to. <laughs> but 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 then you you get a little older and you just realize you were stupid. A few years later. Yeah. I said, you know what? Let's give 2001 another shot. I checked it out. And I'm like, this movie's the fucking best. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. It's, yes. It's incredible. <laughs> this movie's so good. And it has to come at a certain age in your life. Yeah. You, you have you to can't... be sort of craving a cerebral, trippy science fiction adventure. And that's not what 14-year-olds and 15-year-olds are all about. No. This this is a film that, you know, it's 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 more mature than I guess a lot of people understand. Because I went into it expecting kind of a, a, a crazy, extravagant sci-fi film of that era. And that's what I got. I just didn't expect it to be executed in that way or to go down those those tunnels, <laughs> those, those weird tunnels that it goes down. Yeah. Because I was expecting, I guess, something more in the vein of, I guess, I guess Star Trek, I suppose. I wanted Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted Star Wars because that was the one movie ranked ahead of Star Wars in the science fiction rankings on yeah. AFI. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm like, all right, there's something better than Star Wars. And turns out I should have just watched, like... Die Hard another time. <laughs> like, turns out that's what I should have been doing when yeah. I was 15. This movie was not made for me. No. 
Um, now I watch it and it's like it's something new every time I see. It. Oh yeah. Whenever yeah. I flip it on, there's a new image that just conjures up this raw emotional feeling. Um, I don't know if this is Kubrick's best movie. Uh, it's certainly in the running for it. I, I I don't know what what's your. We've talked about Kubrick a lot. What's his best to me? His best film is always going to be uh, Doctor Strangelove. Okay, but this could be his greatest film. Sure, could be his greatest achievement for sure. Yes, I I might say that because uh, there are. I mean, in the realm of like science fiction films that get released, there are. I mean, it's it's weird when you think about sci fi films because. The, the rankings of like the best science fiction films ever made are like three of the most important films ever made. Right. And one of them happens to be 2001. Right. 2001 is one of the more influential films of all time that gave birth to essentially the, the sci-fi genre as we know it. Yeah. I mean, there were sci-fi films before that, but not as well realized as this at all. Not, I mean, like not even remotely close. This is the work of like a, a genius visionary who just came out of nowhere and people are like, oh my God, this is the most incredible thing we've ever seen in our entire lives i cannot imagine going to see this in the theater and the experience of those special effects yeah we take special effects for granted just because we grew up with them we grew up after jaws came or, i'm sorry after jurassic park came out so yep. you know everything after that it's just it, random green screen motion capture if i saw these special effects in 1968 <laughs> set to that music mm-hmm. It's it it seriously is like a drug. It is like an out of body experience. Yep. And I can sort of appreciate it now with the context that I have and my knowledge of where movies are ultimately going. Yep. Um but yeah, if you're 13, 14, it's impossible to like this movie. It's yep. just it's so slow, but you watch it on a second or third time and it and it works. The pacing is just perfect. Yep. It's note for note perfect. I agree. It's it yeah. Yeah. I I don't do I love this movie though? This is a weird one for me because I've I've grown to to really 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 like it. It's I think because I saw it at the perfectly wrong time. It it sometimes holds me back from loving it. You know what I mean? Yes, I feel that. Okay, yeah. I think I've grown to love it. Okay, I think I have. But I I agree with you. I did not love it the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, won the best effects Oscar. That's obviously that is Kubrick's only Oscar, by the way. Oh yeah, okay. he actually he actually won that award. Oh, he gets credit for that. Yep. Well, that's kind of dumb. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, he was nominated for Best Director, Best Writing. Um, Which is weird. Directly for the screen. Yeah. <laughs> this, is not, this film is not great because of its writing. And also nominated for Best Art Direction. Okay. I don't know how you don't win that. It, what, what, that's a, actually an excellent question. Right. How doesn't it win? Yeah, it's like the best art direction of all time. Yeah. <laughs> it's just perfect. Did it win cinematography? I wasn't even nominated for cinematography. What? What? <laughs> what? what? I know. <laughs> I know. Oh, now, my God. The movie was even ahead of its time then. Yeah. But I think also, too, there's probably a little bit of Oscar skepticism towards blockbusters. And I bet that was another reason why. Not well loved by critics though when it came out oh really that's important to know yeah people were because vi- they pretty much what we were saying people are like this is we don't get this it's, yeah. a, it's a case in point of people simply not understanding what was in front of them okay and over time they started to realize oh there's a really really great genius going on here and then of course movies start to come out that you know essentially rip off the movie constantly you know roger ebert gave it four stars good so good for him yeah i suppose yeah it has been ripped off would you i mean I guess I would call its legacy a a shining one, wouldn't you? Yeah. Certainly. This, if, this is like the 
science fiction film. You know, right. this, you know, you don't have Star Wars without this. No, you don't. Yeah, you certainly don't. You don't have other important uh, sci-fi films like Blade Runner after this that go on to inspire fucking God only knows how many movies. Mm. So yeah, this is. Yeah, this is uh, one of the most important films ever made. And we're going to talk about a few of them, but this is, yeah, this is the first time we're arriving on one of those films, I think. By the way, Planet of the Apes comes out that same year. And we'll talk about Planet of the Apes in Mm -hmm. a second. Gets a ton of credit for its makeup. Yep. Everybody raves about how they turned famous actors into monkeys. (laughs) I actually think, like, the makeup in 2001 with the apes at the beginning of the movie is better Better. than the makeup in Planet of the Apes. Wouldn't you agree? Mm Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny that Planet of the Apes gets all the credit for it. I find that makeup to be kind of silly in hindsight, you know? Mm-hmm. I, get, I don't know. We'll talk about that. But, yeah, I do agree that the makeup in this is better in that way. And right. then also, the I suppose the de-aging – or not de-aging, the, the aging makeup for uh, the, the character <clears throat> – Excuse me. Yeah. The characters, as they, as they grow older, kind of – well, I mean, they do grow older. But, Dave does a little bit, yeah. yeah. Great movie. It's so well realized. And there's also like a lot of subtle stuff in terms of the production design. Mm-hmm. Like they have this hotel in space. It's what? It's the Hilton? Yeah. They're staying at the Hilton in space. Yeah. It's just very subtle world building going on there. And it doesn't get in your face in the way that maybe Blade Runner does at times or other movies of that kind where they have this very distinct image of the future. 2001 doesn't beat you over the head with it. And yeah. I appreciate that a lot. Like there's a, a video call in it, for example, when yeah. the when the the businessman has the call with his daughter. You mean like it doesn't necessarily draw attention to the sci-fi, elements. right? It does maybe a little bit, but for its time, it's it's not as like extravagant as something like Blade Runner because it, it, they didn't quite have the resources to build a world on that scale. Yeah, but they do certainly draw attention to the the sort of magic tricks that they're pulling off, like when the the spaceship is just rotating into the the bay. Yeah. And if I'm to criticize the movie for anything, there are moments in the film that are just there for the spectacle. Yes. Like that, for example, it's sure. like that that sequence of the spaceship trying to enter the bay goes on for like it takes a while forever and yeah. you know like based off of the music in the scene it's like oh wow look at this amazing thing that's happening or look at this uh, sequence with the 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 woman climbing upside down you right. remember that as she you know. yeah oh yes the stewardess yeah exactly so right. it's just like okay it's just a cool effect it doesn't really serve any any real uh, thematic significance other than that other than just look what we can do now yeah i i agree with that um and there is a lot of just pieces of metal floating in the yeah in the stratosphere still very well done but it's not, still you don't dude. see the seams it's just it's like okay well come on come on come on you know what i mean you still got this shit though i i i can make the argument this is one of the great soundtracks of all time are you playing it now i am i'm trying to oh maybe this isn't mm. right here Now where's da da da? <laughs> what you're playing might be da, my da, favorite. Da, 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 da. <laughs> I love this. Oh, this is the f- creepiest fucking theme. The monolith theme. The monolith. Mm, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, when I get high one day, this is what I'll be playing in the background. <laughs> I cannot get high at the same time you get high. I just need to. I need to watch you as I am <laughs> and record it. Uh, okay, two thousand one, phenomenal movie. is going to be a candidate. I think that's safe yes, to say. I agree. All right, Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. All right, you're going to take the lead on this one, really? Because I saw this 
a while ago, maybe. Wow, maybe three, four, five years ago. And I appreciate this movie a lot. Um, there's something about it that I I just find too independent. And I'm, you know, I I think uh, I don't know. I I don't consider myself a simpleton when it comes to watching movies, but I have a real hard time sinking my teeth into this. How's it shot? It's like shot on like a Super 8 camera, essentially. Mm. It's shot on a very low-budget camera for 1968. I guess. It could be Super 8. It, it doesn't... It looks a little better than that, if you ask me. It could yeah. be like 16 millimeter. Okay. They're not shooting it on, on 35 millimeter technical or any shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I appreciate this movie a lot, and I appreciate what it did for the genre, the zombie genre in particular, and the horror genre in general. I say for this, the, the industry. Yeah. This is another one of those very important movies. It's an important movie. It's just sort of an artifact for me. I don't really consider this a movie that I can really Ooh. get into and get immersed in. Wow. Um, That's unfortunate for me. Yeah. This okay. Is, this, is a, this is another favorite of mine. All right. Talk to me I, about I adore um, pretty much everything about this movie. A lot of it has to do with the, the indie quality to it okay. and how clearly low budget it is, but how, how much they're able to pull off and how effective it can be for being as, as kind of low, quote unquote, low grade as it is. It's it's an interesting film in in that I, th- I believe it was George Romero's first movie, but there's a and 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 when you pair that with how how it looks and how it's shot and and you know the the budget they were working with, it's it's so fascinating what they actually came up with and and how uh, how just kind of there's the for me at least there's a there's always an aura of dread over everything that happens even in the scenes that take place in. Uh, bright daylight and just how like j- shocking and frustrating the ending is, but in a oh, good way. Oh my god! Yeah, maybe we shouldn't spoil that for those that haven't seen it because no. I'm sure many people haven't seen it. But yes, the ending is a gut punch for sure. Oh my god! But just like in the amount of like memorable sequences for me, like the the girl in the basement, to just the the zombie attacks. Yeah, in these in these scenes and and just the the sort of like like the the rawness to it the almost gorilla quality of them just doing these horrible things and and people breaking down and i wouldn't have thought that this movie would be as good as it is if you were to describe it to me at the time like it's going to be a movie about you know corpses walking around and it's a first time filmmaker and they 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 have shit to work with no they're literally making it with a camcorder with nothing yeah and i mean your to say your iphone can pick up better footage is such an understatement yeah i mean can. you could you could take a polaroid camera and just hit the photo button over and over again mm-hmm. and you could probably make a flip book that looks more high quality than this high quality but that's not to say it's poorly shot no i'm and i'm not saying <laughs> yeah. that and i and i could not agree with you more there's a lot of clever shit going on in this movie mm-hmm. in terms of conveying information mm-hmm. a lot of the information yes. in the movie is conveyed through radio broadcasts and through television broadcasts and sort of from a from a pure logistic perspective, I appreciate what they're able to do and how much they're able to get out of not that much. Yeah, like how do we work around our budget? Yes. That, that sort of thing. Yeah. Something that George Romero and John Carpenter were like famous for. Yeah. George Romero even more so on Dawn of the Dead, which we will talk about later. Right. And by the way, Dawn of the Dead is awesome. And in yeah. my opinion, oh my a superior movie just because it's a studio movie that George Romero was allowed to make. Yep. Um... Again, I don't think it's a bad movie. It's clearly not a bad movie, and it's an important movie. I just think watching it in 2019, there's a little bit of a remove. There's a little bit of a distance that I have between it just because, I don't know, I can't get scared by something like this. The weird cuts, the grainy shots. Oh, yeah. No, 
Um, the the continuity errors, the music, I, it's just not something I can appreciate as a movie now. <laughs> it's just an artifact. It's like okay. reading Catcher in the Rye. Because it's weird, because I saw it later, and I, I, I absolutely loved it for what it is, too. Okay. And it just worked for me. And the, the, the strangeness to the filmmaking and the sloppiness is actually kind of what made me like it more. And I find it charming, no question. Yes. Just not as a horror movie. Sure. Well, like, it's impossible to get scared by this it's, movie. Well, it's not – for me, this is another one of those horror movies that, again, even for me, I was never really scared by. But it's just it, – there's something about how desperate the situation they're, they're in actually is that just makes it work as just a frightening scenario. I don't know. Yeah. It's a great it's a great film to watch around like Halloween time if you really want to do that. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a great <laughs> kind of a home invasion film in a way. It sure. just And for me, it just works like even if it doesn't work as like a scary experience, it certainly works as like a thriller for me. Absolutely. Okay. And I love and a lot of that is elevated by the performances, which I like quite a bit. Yeah. You know, I don't think anyone's really uh, uh, doing a poor job here, especially the lead who is. Dwayne Jones. Um, yes. That a lot of people, you know, it's it, it was actually at the time very uh, significant that he got cast because an African-American getting cast in a role like that was actually kind of unheard of. And for a movie like this to blow up the way that it did. Right. You know. It was not written for a black person either. No. And this is something that people actually get confused on because a lot of people think that this movie is going for really, really deep social commentary. And it actually just so happened to be about that. It wasn't something that George Romero was ever really trying to do. Yeah. And when asked about it, it's like, oh, what was the, the significance of um, uh, casting uh, an African-American as your lead? And he's like, because he was the best. Because he was best for the he part. Best for the part. What do you want? Which is the best social commentary <laughs> yeah. you could possibly make. Yeah, and the ending, I, again, we won't spoil it, does uh, sort of tug at those ideas. Yes. But not in any explicit way. No. Which makes them all the more powerful. Yep. For okay. sure. The movie cost $114,000. Mm-hmm. Ended up grossing $30 million. That is a crazy return on investment. Um, and as you said, went on to basically define the zombie genre. It created it. No, right. This is the, this is the film that created zombies. Cause before then you get quote unquote, like, like zombies, you get them in, in like the, uh, the, the sense of something, someone has died and come back to life, Yeah. but they don't behave like zombies right. at all. It's, it's like their spirit is something totally different. The, the only thing you get is, yeah, died back to life. Right. This is, there are some, and I was actually looking at yeah. uh, voodoo um, zombies is what you find. Okay. And this is uh, basically uh, introduces the idea of corpses that come back and that are just walking around and eating people, right. and that's it. Going for brains. If you no, get no, bit, you no. become. <laughs> oh, they're just eating brains. And I can't wait to talk about this one. Brains is not introduced until 1985 with the Return of the Living Dead, okay. which is phenomenal by the way all right i've only seen the first two. Ooh, return of the living dead is so fucking good okay it has nothing to do it's not a it's not a sequel to night of the living dead don't worry so cool you you might actually like return of the living dead okay. Okay. i would love to talk about that one with you yeah. yeah every zombie movie you see after this was directly based on night of the living dead essentially essentially like, all of the logic yes. comes from that exactly um it's so our, it's our modern day monster you know yeah essentially and listen it deserves a spot on this list. I agree. It should have been nominated. I just can't like revisit this one with as much passion as I can the rest of them. And so that's and why. That's fine. Yeah. That, that's why I'm not going to ride for it as the winner. Um, mm. I, I appreciate it, though. I do. I, I do appreciate it as an artifact. Okay. As something that I go to a museum and, <laughs> and be like, oh, yeah, that was really cool for the time. Sure. Just doesn't hold up. Nah, it does hold up for me. Okay, I can I can absolutely rewatch this film. There's only a few sequences. The only, if I'm to criticize anything, 
the build up to when the, the zombies in the film start like like attacking the house and um essentially before they start like boarding everything up where they're just kind of sitting around and um uh, the Dwayne the the actor Dwayne who comes Ben in, is ben. the name of the character. Yeah. When Ben comes in for the first time uh to see Barbara, that whole build up just like yeah, it doesn't work. And yeah. I remember even the the weird cuts like kind of threw me off, but then the film kind of picks itself up as it goes along Certainly. and it gets uh, a lot more actually kind of thrilling but but like, really really tragic at times. I mean, part of the problem too is you see these zombies and they don't look any different than normal people. We- Eh, Which some, is part some of, of the them do. Disconnect. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get that. Some of them, uh, when when they get to some of the close up shots after the uh, the car blows up and they're just eating these these burned remains, uh, then you can start to see the fact that they're essentially just corpses. But for the most part, they're just uh, as as they say, they're just kind of ghouls. Yeah, they're just stumbling ghouls. Is all yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. Which is effective enough. It doesn't, I mean, the point is not the fi- to look at these, like, you know, grotesque figures. That's not exactly what the movie's going I also for. appreciate how the movie deals with the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Just in terms of, like, how the police respond and how the military respond. Yep. Feels a lot more realistic than, say, The Walking Dead. Than anything. Yeah. I think this is one of the more realistic takes on that. Which too. is so funny that it yeah. was the first one. Yeah. But it's just like, yeah, everybody's still going to work. It's just, you know, the cops are still doing what the cops do, and the media is still reporting on it. Which is why I love Dawn of the Dead. Right. I fucking love Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, no, exactly. The same thing. The other reason why Dawn of the Dead is so great is that you get to live out your fantasy of having the mall to yourself. (laughs) Have you seen both versions of Dawn of the Dead? No, I've only seen the original. Okay, good. The the, the Sam Raimi version? I'm sorry, Zack Snyder version, right? It's pretty good. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen it. But you haven't seen Day of the Dead. No. Mm. No. Day of the Dead's good. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I agree. I agree with everything that you just said. I think it's a great film. I think okay. It's a great film. I love it. Okay. Next. Planet of the Apes. Ooh. Okay. A movie that has been fraught <laughs> with reboots and remakes. <laughs> My God, has this movie been made a lot. Mm-hmm. Over and over and over again. And... Sp- you know, with with varying quality, all all over the place. Actually, I love big franchises like that. It's fun to just talk about where movies like this go. Yeah, seriously. There's not very in the original series. I can only think of, I don't know, two good movies. <laughs> uh, if that, if that. Have you seen all of them? No. <laughs> yeah, I have not. Um, directed by Franklin J. Schaffner. Yep. Written by Michael Wilson, among others. Oh, Rod Serling worked on it. Yep. Would you look at that? Rod Serling won't part of this movie. With some of my favorite music ever by Jerry Goldsmith. I just want to point that out. Starring Charlton Heston and Roddy McDowell. Mm-hmm. Charlton Heston, one of the biggest movie stars on the planet at the time, made sort of a silly sci-fi movie, or then he thought that it was going to be a silly sci-fi movie. Ended up being a smashing success. John Chambers ended up winning an honorary Oscar that year. Morton Hack was nominated for Best Costume Design, did not win. And Jerry Goldsmith, as you said, nominated for Best Original Score, did not win that year either. It's a shame. Good year for movie soundtracks. Yeah. 1968. Really, great, really good year for yeah. movie soundtracks. Um, We talked about this franchise on the podcast before because yes, we, we talked yeah. about the new trilogy. And I think our ideas about the new trilogy vary quite a bit. Well, we agree on Dawn. We do agree on Dawn. And we like Rise, right? And we like Rise, and I am not a big fan of War. And I really like War. Okay. 
Is this still the best Planet of the Apes yep. movie? It is. <laughs> it's either that or Dawn. Okay. As much as I would like to put Dawn above this, there is something about the novelty of this and something about the world that is created and just the the the, the I don't know. I like the the introduction to everything in this movie. I like just being introduced to that world in the way that they do it here. It's just I don't know, there's something about it that's a little more visceral and intense and 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 just wonderful to me, but at the same time just really really disturbing as well. And it's kind of scary, and it's an it's an interesting cautionary tale in the way we treat each other. And it's also got I'm I'm just saying it now. It's got the best twist ending of all time. Yep. It's top five. Yeah. Is it the best? I think so. Wow. I mean, wow. I'm trying to think back on that era because obviously you have a bunch of twists in the 90s mm-hmm. the 90s are just fraught with you have usual suspects and you this have... is like the twist ending though yeah it, it really is and a lot of people might cite uh six sense but it's it this is really the movie that it just sh- yeah that just shocks everybody like yeah. holy fuck because it comes is another one of those movies that reshapes the entire film after you watch it but to such a magnitude i mean even to me even more so than the sixth sense because the sixth Certainly. sense is not solely about Bruce Willis, whereas this movie is entirely about what the fuck happened to the planet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't seen Planet of the Apes, the twist is that they're on Earth. They're not on another planet. Yeah. Yeah. People have seen it. People know what the Spoilers. twist is. People know what the fucking <laughs> twist is. Oh, I guess so. The, the, the new franchise of movies is set in the same universe, right? Is it? I believe so. Because those are all technically prequels. I guess. Yeah. Is that the point? I guess you could. Yeah, I guess so. They certainly mention. Yeah, I guess they do mention the spaceship and the and rise. Yeah, they do, and they actually show footage of Charlton Heston going up in space. Okay. Yeah, Um, they do. I think I've said this to you before. Um, I I don't love this movie. Mm -hmm. Just I guess for my own particular movie taste, I find it a little cheesy. I find a little goofy. I find the outfits a little goofy. I find the commentary to be very clever at times. I love the little details of how this ape society functions and the the fact that they keep human beings as their pets, essentially. Or test subjects, which is really fucking weird. Right. They're in zoos. Mm-hmm. The other apes are marveling at them. There, There's this one line that I love where Charlton Heston, uh, or it's either Charlton Heston or the girl, asks... Or Zira, I guess, is the name of the girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, how will they know that... Uh, or or wait, won't they recognize us? Or something along those lines. And the apes say, well, every ape looks the same to you. Every human looks the same to us. <laughs> I always thought that was a very interesting way of thinking about existence. The fact that you only care about your one species. And theoretically, every dog, every squirrel, every bear, every monkey are distinct enough... To tell the difference, but you're a human being, so you don't look for those differences. Mm-hmm. I, I just always found that to be an interesting philosophical question. Um, again, I don't know, a little dated. To you? Yeah. I don't find it goofy at all, okay. honestly. I'm really not on board with you there. I could get why some of the makeup could be a little dated to you, though. I yes, understand that. For sure. Yeah, especially in the wake of 2001 and, and you know, the... The movement of the mouths, for example, with those masks and whatnot, I can understand why, yeah. Not not quite up to snub, but I don't know. Like, I remember watching it a little while ago, and something about it just didn't really bother me. Because it's not bad makeup. It's just, you know, not what it is today, I suppose. Yeah. 
And again, but at the time, it was heralded for great makeup. Yeah, and I agree, it is great makeup for the time. Absolutely, it shouldn't. We shouldn't take that away. Get your paws off me, you damn dirty ape! Great line. Great. Oh, that's a and that's another great moment with because that's essentially a character reveal for the apes, which is really interesting. That's right. the first time he speaks. Yeah. Right. What a great first line. I love it. <laughs> yeah, you're looking at it from the other point of view. Yep. It's fantastic. Uh, one of Charlton Heston's best performances, I think. I agree. Yeah, there, there's something like gritty about him in this mm-hmm. that doesn't normally exist in a Charlton Heston movie. <laughs> you know, Ben Hur, he's just this superhero. Ten Commandments, he's fucking Moses. And, so there's not a lot of room for ambiguity. And in Soylent Green, he is Soylent Green. Soylent Green is people! <laughs> Love Soylent Green. <laughs> <laughs> but this movie, he is a beat-up, weathered action star. Yes. And I like that a lot. He get, gets the shit kicked out of him all the time. Right. And it's great. I love vulnerable heroes like that. Exactly right. Yep. And again, doesn't really have a happy ending. Yeah, certainly not. It's yeah. a very bleak ending. Yeah, very. Ble- and then you see the second one, and it's even bleaker, and you just want to kill yourselves. But you know, so don't watch the second one. But it's still like a PG children's movie, right? Or it's a G-rated children's yeah, movie. Yeah, but it's those are the movies that got released at that time. It's yeah. not. It, it would, I guess, like, thematically, it, tonally, it'd be more PG thirteen today, right? You know. Yeah, it's so weird that this and two thousand one were both rated G. Yeah, because. <laughs> There is no way you should be bringing your children to either one. <laughs> nope. Do not bring your children to 2001. There's a lobotomy sequence w- w- with one of the characters in, in Planet of the Apes, sort of. We, we realized that he had a lobotomy. Yeah. But no children should ever know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this guy standing up like a mannequin? Because he is a mannequin. Oh. I would recommend you go listen to that Dawn of the Planet. I'm sorry, um, War for the Planet of the Apes podcast we did a few years ago i think we did a deep dive into the whole planet of the apes franchise you want my feelings on the whole franchise i do give it to me quickly i think the first one is fantastic i think the second one is a piece of shit i think the third one is really really good okay really good actually the fourth one is eh, it's fine the second one kind of sucks not as bad as people want to think that it is uh and then you get the remake, which is Tim Burton. Not good. Not good. N- again, not as bad as Beneath the uh, Planet of the Apes. Do you defend the Tim Burton no. Planet of the Apes? No, I don't. It sounds like you're defending it. If but if I had to stick it up next to Beneath, it, it's better than that. Whoa, it's a lot better than that. It's maybe better than Battle. It's close. It's about even with Battle for me. Um, and then you get the the uh the the prequel series and i think rise is really good i think um dawn is excellent excellent movie excellent and i think war is very good war is very flawed yeah i know very flawed okay anything else that's it all right i will also not be defending this when we come time to debate (laughs) let me ask you a question are your potential winners among those list of three or is there another candidate that you're thinking about (laughs) Oh no, my my I have three. Like like I was thinking about it now. I think I have three. And y- yes, yes, some a few of them are. Okay. Bullet. Ooh, bullet. Bullet, bullet is awesome. <laughs> I have a confession to make, listeners. Yeah, go ahead. I considered lying about this. I did, but I said, you know what? I'm going to be honest with the listener on this. I didn't have time. I didn't see Bullet. I'm sorry. Sue me. I had to watch three movies for this week. I only saw two of them. That's okay. The other two are coming up. I didn't get a chance. I'm sorry. Yeah. So you're going to have to carry the load on this. I just took an educated guess and said Bullet is probably not going to be the one 
that we decide well, is the winner? Probably not. It's really good. Okay. So I need you to just talk about Bullet. I, I will set you up real quick, though. I'll tee you off with the alley-oop. Peter Yates is the director. Alan Trustman is responsible for the screenplay. It stars Steve McQueen mm-hmm. in the titular role of Bullet. A young Bobby Duvall shows up in this shit. Yeah. Jacqueline Bissett, Robert Vaughn, Don Gordon, and all glut- guts, no glory, San Francisco cop becomes determined to find the underworld kingpin that killed the witness in his yes. protection. The movie is nominated for two Oscars. One editing, I believe. Won the editing Oscar and was also nominated for Best Sound. It didn't win Best Sound? Did not win Best Sound. That's weird. Talk to me about Bullet, Adam. Bullet is just an awesome little crime movie. Okay. That's all it really is. There's nothing like grand or epic about it. It's just a really, really cool movie. It's The ending is somewhat reminiscent of uh, Heat in a lot of ways, oh. which you would probably like takes place in an airport. Oh. You would, you'd actually really like it a lot. And this is... It's... One of the earliest examples, I think, of like a high octane action movie where they just kind of go all out and, and do start doing dangerous things and they just they don't really care. And it's it can be very brutal for the time. And uh, it's got some wonderful performances by Steve McQueen, who's just stoicism is fantastic in this movie, as it is in all Steve McQueen movies. Yes. This is starring, of course, the uh, African-American Steve McQueen, who went on to be a great director. <laughs> Wrong <Yeah>. one. <laughs> <laughs> that guy must, like, get so many fan letters <laughs> but like it's yeah. the wrong one right. i'm the wrong one yeah he he's died dead. like 40 years ago he just writes back he's dead right <laughs> it must be so confusing for him a lot of p.o box errors poor guy right he's got to be named after that guy there are worse people to be named after well for his career you know it's like i don't want to be steve mcqueen you know the, the guy from the great escape I just want to be Steve McQueen, the guy who made uh, 12 Years a Slave. Dude, I'll take it, man. Yeah, I get. I would take it, too. Yeah. If you were like, bro, your name is Al Pacino, <laughs> I'd be way in on that. Yeah. Hey, Al! Al, if your name was Hoorah! Al. I think you're more akin to Barbara Streisand, Nico. I'll take Barb. Okay, you could be Barbara Streisand. Yeah, I'll take that name. <laughs> no, I'd love to be named after a famous person. How great would that be? Unless that famous person is like Richard Spencer or something. (laughs) Roman Polanski. Or if my first name was Adolf, that wouldn't be great. (laughs) Just killed it. Josef Stalin. Do you see, by the way, uh, Benito Mussolini's granddaughter is defending her grandfather's good name? Oh, God. Because I guess Jim Carrey drew a picture that was mocking Benito Mussolini. And apparently, like, she got all mad at him for it. But then I started looking up how many people did Benito Mussolini actually kill? Only half a mil. <laughs> As compared to Adolf, who's got eight million. And fucking uh, Stalin's got, like, 30, right? Who gives a shit? I'm just saying, the numbers. <laughs> like, if they're hanging out, like, comparing stats. They're not hanging out comparing stats. Dude, it's like LeBron sitting down for dinner with Brian Scalabrini. He killed half a million people. I know, but it's just like rookie numbers, man. You wouldn't get out of the double A minor league with those numbers. He killed... That dude was a... Di- that dude doesn't deserve to be in the category of the other two. The other two are far more evil. Sure, that's fine, but there's- she shouldn't defend her grandfather. I'm not saying. Also... You know, like if my granddad was Benito Mussolini, like I'd be like, yeah, he 
gave me cash and shit. <laughs> he used to tell me good bedtime stories. We used to play catch in the backyard. Mm. He Dude, t- I don't care if your grandfather is a fucking murderous dictator. That's fine. <laughs> okay. I'm not saying anything bad against the granddaughter. I'm just saying I should do a rant about this later on the podcast. Maybe just don't don't defend him at all. Maybe just I'm stay not silent. defending Benito. I know you're not Benito. Defending. Not a good dude. Is this going to be our argument on the podcast talking about Benito fucking Mussolini? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly not a good guy. <laughs> not that a guy was guy. that yeah. guy was a real jerk. Let me tell you, wasn't a big movie fan. You know. Well, I, I don't know that. Yeah, didn't wasn't a big wasn't didn't like Babe, so he's not on my list. Oh, anymore. so he's off. He's off my list because he didn't like Babe. Okay, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, let's not even take into account that Babe was, you know, you know, only a couple of years later. Dude, I, I'll defend Benito's granddaughter on this. <laughs> I'm going to take that. Listen to the Nico show this week. I'll lay out my argument. And next week he's married to her. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> What are we talking about? Bullet. <laughs> oh yeah, Bullet. And how it's just freaking awesome. So Steve McQueen is great in this. Yes. This is a, what what's up with Bobby Duvall? What's like his role? He plays a cabbie for about a cabbie two, for about 2 minutes. Oh, and then he's gone? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was one of his first roles, right? Yeah, I really. mean this was 5 years before The Godfather. Yeah, small small supporting role. But he's good in it. You know, he's Bobby, Bobby Duvall. Okay. Yeah. He gets asked a couple questions. I mean, he's sort of important to the plot I, I, at at first, I guess. I mean, he just gets a character from point A to point B essentially but that's about it yeah uh, and yeah this is just a rigidly structured really really tight efficient awesome movie that just moves really really well and it's just a, it's just an awesome entertaining movie you know what it's it, it's it, it's sort of I guess it feels kind of like the fugitive oh word I guess I guess that's a close example I mean aside from the the amazing car chase that's in it yeah it's like you know Fugitive, French Connection, kind of like that. That's a good, like... Lit- nice. Yeah. You would like it a lot. Nice. You would really like it, yeah. Sounds to me kind of like a Shane Black movie. No. It's not, not as... It's no, not as funny? It's not funny at all. Okay. Yeah, it, it actually takes itself quite seriously. Maybe that's the one drawback, but it's it's not, like, like depressing or anything. All right. You know? It sort of has the tone of, like... Um, uh I'd say it has the tone of what the fuck is it called? I just watched it, damn it. The conversation. Oh, word. Yeah. Dude, I'm in. I gotta watch You'd love yeah, I was yeah. like which made me upset. I was like, yeah, you would really, well, really like this movie. I only watched the other two because I know you really wanted to talk about the other two. Okay. And I also suspected that it wouldn't be in, in the running. But no, it's of, cl- of it's- the movies that I did not see, that was the one I was most excited to watch. It's closer than you think. I would probably what were the other ones that we did? I'd probably take this over what did we do? So far, two thousand one, Night of the Living Dead, Planet of the Apes. I I maybe like it more than Planet of the Apes. Okay. Maybe, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a great movie. Again, maybe not as as like like defining as something like Planet of the Apes, but it's just really fucking entertaining. Okay. Yeah. And again, there's one of the single greatest car chases I think I'm I'm ever going to see in my life. All right, I need to go track this down. You would so really I, I like promise it. I will watch this before next week, and I'll do yeah. a quick little review after the fact. Yeah. The the plots may be slight, like you have to kind of listen to what they're talking about sometimes because it's a lot of who did what sort of thing, like yep. like well, who this person actually is. You know, it's a little, it's it's sort of a detective story in a lot of ways. So okay, you know, other than that though, yeah, you'll you'll like it. Good. All right, moving on. Really great movie. All right, we will not be inducting it though, right? Oh, I love it. I love it, but yeah. It, if I have to choose, it probably wouldn't get there, yeah. Okay. Once Upon a Time in the West. Which I maybe should have rewatched because I haven't seen it in a while. And you just watched it. I did enough watching for the two of us. Yeah. Don't you worry. Okay. 
Did I watch the fuck out of this movie? <laughs> Sergio, Sergio Leon directs it. The director, of course, of the Man With No Name trilogy, as well as Once Upon a Time in America, mm-hmm. which is like two days long, right? Like you have to, yes. it's, it's like the marathon of movies. It's like so long. It's a bitch of a watch. Okay. And Do you like that movie? Uh, I appreciate the hell out of the movie. Okay. That's not like an answer. That. I don't love it. Okay. Not a, okay. You don't like it. It's fine. Just say you don't like it. The movie directs, uh, I'm sorry, directs, stars Henry Fonda, Charles Bronson, Claudia Cardinale. Mm-hmm. Hottie. Is a hottie. hottie. Smoke show in this movie. Mm-hmm. Also top build. Yeah. Which I found interesting. Mm-hmm. And Jason Robarts, who I love. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a low-key, huge Jason Robarts fan. <laughs> okay. Dude, I love him in All the President's Men. Yeah. He's so great in that movie. All right. Ben Bradley. Yep. With his red pen. What else was he in? It was in Philadelphia. Yes. Yeah. He's really great in that. Jason Robards. He's great in pretty much everything he's in. He is awesome. Yeah. Like also like one of the great stage actors of the 20th century. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. Just tremendous in this. Um, I fucking love this movie. <laughs> yeah. I loved oh, it so much. Okay, good, good, good. I was Woo! like... Once upon a time in, in, in the West, baby. <laughs> you almost said Hollywood. Hollywood or America, whatever. This movie's pretty awesome. Bring me to that time. <laughs> Once upon a time, I want to go there. I want to hang out with these people. <laughs> Dude, I want to hang out in this world so bad. In all those saloons with, with every harmonica playing badass. Bro, yeah. it's one of the few movies where I was so immersed in it, I wanted to go there. I felt like I was there. And you're sort of ambivalent towards Westerns sometimes? Kinda. Okay. I'm not a huge... I didn't grow up watching Westerns. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a number of them. But, uh, yeah, this is so good, though. Mm-hmm. This is one of my favorite Westerns, I think. Wow, okay. I love it. Yeah, I love it, too. I'm so glad you made me nominate this, because I wasn't <laughs> going to nominate it because I'd never seen it. As soon as you... Because you, you, you were considering not doing it, I'm like, what are you talking about? Fucking put that movie on there. Yeah. <laughs> one of, I think it's one of the great Westerns ever made. Oh, yeah. so good. Um, Henry Fonda in this, who is one of our great heroes, heroes in the history of cinema. Such a piece of shit in this. Juror number eight in 12 Angry Men. (laughs) He's in The Grapes of Wrath. He's in On Golden Pond. Mm -hmm. He plays such a villain. And he's so good. He has the standout performance of this movie. He shoots a kid in the beginning. Yes. (laughs) He's so evil. He's one. And it's one of my favorite Henry Fonda performances. It could be my favorite. Yep. It's so convincing. I love when an actor like this decides to totally flip the script Mm -hmm. and just play a completely different character against type. Love him in this. Charles Bronson is what he is. Yeah, he plays a good, like, man for no name stand-in. Yep, he plays the character of of Harmonica. You don't know what his name is. You just know that he plays Harmonica. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Jason Robards plays a character named Cheyenne, who is sort of just another cowboy. Claudia Cardinale plays Jill Mc... McBain, mm-hmm. whose family gets slaughtered at the beginning of this movie, and you come to find out that it's because somebody wanted her land. Yes. Um, and it sort of becomes this epic allegory for capitalism and American ambition and the pitfalls of putting business before people, essentially. Uh, it's a cautionary tale about America yep. in many ways and works so freaking well. It's a Leone movie. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of slow. It 
the dude loves to savor his scenes, man. Savor his this. If if you want to study on how you hold on a moment, just watch any shootout that he's ever made. Yeah, this one especially. By the way, the opening shootout at the train tracks, oh, incredible. Love it. No, dude, when love the guy it. is blowing the fly off of his face, <laughs> and you just hold on him for two minutes as he's trying to get the fly Little. off of his chin. Ah. Mm-hmm. Oh great filmmaking Mm -hmm. and it's just so silent and the creaking of the windmill in the background and it's that kind of stuff that i think about with westerns more so than anything yeah because it's just such i don't know it seems embedded in all of them and it's just so effectively used in every scene like that especially shootout scenes there's so much like vibe and ambiance in a western yeah you just feel like you're there there's such a sense of place yeah that might be one of the things that i love about westerns is how I just feel like I'm in this saloon. Mm-hmm. I'm with these characters. I it it's almost like you watch it and it feels hot. You oh, feel yeah. hot, especially the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's yeah. great. like where he's in the desert and he's just got the chapped lips and the sands blowing on his face. It's just oh, right. He's all sunburn. It's just the worst. Yeah, like I feel like I'm that character, and yeah. there's not many movies where I can say that about. Mm-hmm. It's so immersive and so goddamn good. So I want to ask you a question because you're a film historian, obviously. <laughs> um, this is a spaghetti western. Yep. And my impression of spaghetti westerns is that they're like cheaply made westerns that were produced in Italy in like the 50s and 60s, right? That's basically what they are technically. They're just Italian westerns. That's really all you need to know about them. I don't want to, I don't even want to say they're cheaply made because I don't really think that they are. Okay. I think uh, they're very, they're very pulpy, kind of right. over the top and exciting and far more violent than a lot more westerns usually are. But oddly, they, one of the, First spaghetti westerns, if we're going like fistful of dollars, actually gets its inspiration from Japanese films, right? Which and those are called macaroni westerns, right? Yes, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And is that what Seven Samurai is? Seven Samurai? They wouldn't be. Would they be called macaroni westerns? I believe they're called macaroni westerns. They're just. I think they're just samurai films at that point. I mean, Yojimbo is not. I mean, you. I guess you could kind of call it a western in in, in some sense because it's about like defending people against bandits, which is why we get the Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Uh, which is the, by the way, we'll get there. But Seven Samurai is the most important film ever made. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Yojimbo is the one that Fistful of Dollars is directly based off of, Got which it. is awesome. Okay. Awesome fucking movie. Got it. You need to dive into Kurosawa, by the way. Yeah, I know. One day. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So stylistically, it's just that they're a little more pulpy and a little more violent. Basically, I would say they're a little more pronounced. I mean. They're not as bloody, I would say. Well, maybe they are. I mean, they're, to me, equally as bloody, because, you know, with Japanese films, you get that exaggerated blood spray sometimes. Right. You'll, you will see that if you watch uh, certain Kurosawa films, or not even that, but just, you know, maybe Takashi Miike or things like that. Okay. You would see a lot of, like, exaggerated, like, violence as well, which I guess is where they were drawing some inspiration from with these Italian films, too. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, there it is. So that's a spaghetti western. As yeah, opposed to a regular Western, which is like the searchers and shit, right? Yo, no, that's like the Western. Yeah. <laughs> the but, searchers. Butch Cassidy, whatever. Yeah, exactly. What's your favorite Western? If I'm not counting like like you in pure Western. You can't count Tombstone. I'm eliminating Tombstone. <laughs> if, I, if I'm getting rid of... Spe- I mean, I would probably say the good, the bad, and the ugly, but if you want me to go like pure Western... Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Unforgiven. Word. Okay. I go Butch Cassidy, but it's close. Butch Cassidy's even different. That's, that's more of an action movie? Yeah, it's that's like if Shane Black made a Western. Uh, 
Kind of. It's a little better than that, I would say. It's a lot better than that. In essence, though, that's kind of where he would he would go. That's that's the direction he would go towards anyway. Yeah, it's a buddy movie for sure. Yeah. Um, I love that movie. Don't worry. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, This movie is so goddamn quotable. Mm -hmm. And, And that's the one thing I was struck with, too, because obviously the direction is great. But the dialogue is just it pops, man. Here's a few of my favorites. The Frank character at one point says, how can you trust a man that wears both a belt and suspenders? <laughs> man can't even trust his own pants. Great one. The character of Morton, who is like the evil businessman who owns the train. Yeah. Tell me, was it that necessary you kill them all? I only told you to put a scare in them. <laughs> Frank goes, people scare better when they're dying. <laughs> yeah. It's such like if... if I feel like you would read that and be like, "Yeah, how the hell am I supposed to deliver this?" Right. It's like Twin Peaks is like like um. It, it, I always I always refer, reference Kyle McLaughlin when he's reading uh, "Damn Good Cup of Coffee" and "Hot," and he's like, "I have no idea how to deliver this line." Right. Because on the paper you're just like, "I don't know what to do with this," but then somehow he makes it work and it's like the best line ever. Yeah. That sort of thing. One of Frank's henchmen says to the harmonica character, or, or the the uh, yeah, he says Frank sent us harmonica ghosts. Did you bring a horse for me? Hedgeman goes, well, looks like we're, looks like we're shy one horse. Harmonica, you brought two too many. (laughs) Yes, baby. It's great. Brought two too many. Yeah. You know what? All of Leone's films have that quotable shit in it too. Every one of them. I mean, my favorite is still probably Fistful of Dollars in that way. I love when when Clint first comes uh, up to the guys and he's going to kill them all for scaring the donkey. It's just great stuff. I don't think it's nice you laughing. You see, my donkey don't like to be made fun of. Now, if you just apologize like I know you're going to, I might be able to convince him that you didn't mean it. (laughs) Shoots them all. Cheyenne. (laughs) By the way, you know anybody, anything about a man going around playing the harmonica? He's somebody you'd remember. (laughs) Instead of talking, he plays... And when he better play, he talks. <laughs> this is the best, man. Awesome. This is everything I love about a movie. This is it right here. That's just great writing, too. It's incredible it's, writing. It's, it's really smart. Like, like kind of like, I, it, there's something oddly poetic about it. I really like it. I really, really like it. But it's it. also like really good character building, too. Yeah, exactly. Like all of these characters are so distinct. Mm-hmm. There's a, I think, a, um. Th- Sometimes when people praise good writing, they don't they they praise quippy dialogue, but they don't realize that every character delivering the dialogue is just an extension of the other character. You know, and this happens in Tarantino movies every once in a while. I and I actually think Tarantino's underrated when it comes to screenwriting in 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 some ways, but he'll give somebody a monologue that theoretically could be delivered by any of the characters. So his characters just become these avatars through which he speaks. Yeah. In this particular case, though, the dialogue is not only quippy, but it also serves the character development of these people. Okay. It's, it actually says more about these people is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. That's great. So I, I just love it, man. I yeah. love everything about this movie. It's Again, and it's slow. It's an investment. And it's long. It's like yeah. it's 245. And I divided my devoted my whole night last night to watching this movie. Um, but man, it was just such a, a just fun, a thrilling ride. It's fun, it's a super fun, ass, fun, fun ass movie. The plot sort of secondary. The revenge twist at the end is awesome. Mm-hmm. Plays so well. 
it's fun unlike Once Upon a Time in America, which is just a downer. Claudia Cardinelli? Woof! I know. Vision. Vision. Absolutely beautiful. The guy that's like crippled, who's like walking around with the, Mm -hmm. the, the guy that owns the train. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's just anything filled with just wonderful memorable characters too we basically talk yeah yeah they're all pretty much fantastic i love when she's giving water to the people working on her land too yep. that's a great scene i can't wait to watch this movie again yeah it's great I cannot it's great wait. thank you for making me watch this you're welcome you made me watch my favorite one of my favorite westerns of all time. <laughs> there we go it's terrific Ooh. you also made me watch another movie <laughs> well we had to nominate this one it's called Rosemary's Baby. Yes, that's exactly what it's called. I watched it <laughs> today, as a matter of fact. Whoa. Okay. I watched it this afternoon. Okay. Because I wanted to do it in broad daylight. So I just got done with it like two hours ago. All right. And I've been stewing on it for two hours. The movie's directed and written by Roman Polanski. One of the greats, in my opinion. One of the great pedophiles, for sure. <laughs> okay. I mean, if that's what you mean by great. Yes. I don't think I've ever seen a bad Polanski film. I've only seen a few of them, to be honest with you. I think all of his films are like near, damn near masterpieces. Dude did Chinatown and this one. He did. Probably his two most significant. He did, uh, let's see, Macbeth, Chinatown, Rosemary's Baby. Did The Pianist. Pianist. Won the Oscar for The Pianist. Cul-de-sac, Repulsion, a lot of phenomenal movies. I, it, isn't it so weird that this dude won the Oscar after he fled the country? Yeah, I know. On they, charges of pedophilia. They, would, would the Academy ever do that now? No, they recently just kicked him out of uh, his membership, I think, at the Academy. Yeah. It took that long? I know. it's kind of Dude, funny. it's such a weird thing. Yeah, I know. He's married, too. Married to who? An act, like, like, like a, yeah, like, I think a model, like a former model. But he's been, yeah, he's been married for years. I mean, that's whatever. Like, you can get, I'm just saying, like, if that happened in the Me Too era... Like, yeah, think about that. Wouldn't it would never fly? They he, he would gave never, him the best director Oscar. He would never make a movie again. He's yeah. still, I think he's still making movies. Is does he live in Italy? It, uh, I don't know if he lives in Italy. Where is he right now? I don't know. He's he, Polish, by the way. He's French, I thought. No, I think he's Polish. Yeah, he's a okay. Polish Jew who survived the Holocaust. Funny, okay, fun fact. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's in some country without extradition, mm-hmm. I guess, because he's still like a wanted vigilante. On pedophilic charges. Well, in America, anyway. Yeah, I know. So it's crazy. It's just so crazy that like that dude won an Oscar. I know. Um, he made this though again in 1968. Yep. Starring Mia Farrow mm-hmm. as the titular Rosemary. That's right. John Cassavetes, who we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Ruth Gordon, who won Best Supporting Actress that year, plays Minnie. Uh, Sydney Blackmer plays Roman. Mm-hmm. The Cassavetti family, ironically. Yeah, I know. The name Cassavetti Ca- pops up yet again. Cassavetes, I think. Cassavetes, okay. Pretty close, though. Um, also nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. It's based on a book by Ira Levine. This movie got like made into a TV show recently. Apparently it was terrible. I cannot imagine how they would have adapted this for NBC television. It was on NBC. Broadcast television. How do you do that? It, was, it wasn't Zoe Saldana Rosemary, I think? Might have been, yeah. And it, it, this movie can stay where it is. <laughs> yeah, I think like, just like leave it. It's like one of the you know most uncomfortable films ever made. Well, kind of, in a way. <laughs> yeah, modern four-hour miniseries adaptation of the classic novel, Zoe Saldana. Yeah, how do you do that? I don't know. I don't know why you would want to. What's the point? 
you can't make that for NBC. It's just like HBO's one thing, but whatever. You, you can't really make it for anything other than like film. It's fine where it is. And I guess the novel, sure. But you know. All right. Um, you knew my reaction to this. You knew what this was yeah, gonna be. You knew what I was gonna say when I saw this. Yeah, of course I did. I was gonna be like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, I told I told you this is mother us kind of mother. Before it's not mother. It's closer to hereditary than it is mother. Yeah, I suppose. Mother has a lot of uh, some inspiration in this. I can definitely get a lot of mother vibes out of this. Yeah, the 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 cult aspect. Yeah. Like the group of people that are admiring the baby at the end. Certainly the relationship between her and the, the husband. The the sense of like, I just want to do this one thing. I want to do it my way, but no one ever lets her do it her way. Right. That same idea. Yeah. Um. This movie is fucking incredible. Yeah, it is. It's really, 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 really good. Uh, Please tell me its place in the horror lexicon. It's one of the great, uh, well, it's definitely one of the greatest horror films ever made. It's often cited as... Uh, one of the scarier horror movies of all time in, in some sense. And the scarier in like an atmospheric sense. Okay. And like similar to The Shining, even though it's not the same atmosphere as The Shining, don't get me wrong, but similar in the sense like, okay, there's something wrong here and it's just eating at me. And uh, it's got um, is one of the better horror endings of all time, I would also say. And frequently referenced film as well. You'd be surprised at how many, how many filmmakers reference it and how many like comedians sometimes reference it. it like the whole... Uh, this is not a dream. This is really happening. Scene is is uh, used oh. qu- quite hilariously, and uh, this is the end. Okay. Except, oh sure. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. Of yeah. course. By Jonah Hill when he's getting raped by the I, devil. The devil. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Sweet. Sure. Yeah. I didn't think about it at the time, but that makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. And it's got a, 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 I, I think honestly in the realm of horror a very iconic performance from Mia Farrow. Yeah. At least because when. At, when us horror junkies think about like like the motherly, the, I guess the mother of horror in that way, you know, who who has this like the demon baby, you're only going to think of this, right? And that's a common theme throughout uh, many a horror films, and also just films of this nature, like The Omen or The Exorcist. This is one of the best ones, arguably the best one. Who yeah. knows? I still I'm still an Exorcist guy, but wow, that's an excellent question. Yeah, it's tough. <sighs> And I don't want to even sell the omen sure. I quite love the omen, but I have to I have to think about it more. Yeah. Yeah, I could go either way on that. Exorcist or Rosemary. I fucking love the Exorcist. Yeah. Roman Polanski directs the shit out of this movie. Mm-hmm. It is so well done and so tense, and it's like everything about this apartment is just horrifying. And there as you said um earlier about Night of the Living Dead, there is this sense of dread that just hangs over this thing. And something is not quite right, and you don't put the pieces together until the very, very end. But it is so deeply unsettling. And the character that Mia Farrow plays, too, you go through this journey with her and you are terrified and frustrated with and, her. Yeah. Every step. Because it's not like she's wrong. That's the thing. That, that to me, is always the, the worst type of horror. There's the type of horror where the character doesn't realize what's going on and gets killed for some stupid reason. And then there's the type of horror where the character knows exactly what's going on, mm-hmm. but no one believes them. Or they're just not letting her be right. Right. In this case, 
And that's what's happening here. We're just like, it's just like this movie is just so tragic in that way where it's like there's just nothing she can do about it at every turn. And she knows exactly what's going on oh, to her. She just, puts the pieces together early. Very helpless to it too. Right. And it's just like, oh, you just feel so bad for it. But at a certain point, you just know it's not never, ever going to get better. Right. It's, it's just terrible. And you're right about that apartment too. It's like this is exactly the, 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 the setting for this kind of thing happening, this mm-hmm. whole cult. And it's so weird and just creepy and just wrong and the music is just the worst but best right in a way it's kind of a great movie about the horrors of new york city and the horrors of being a young couple trying to make it in this wasteland there it's that's sort of the weird thing about when you're in a big city and i guess we don't necessarily feel that way because we grew up with new york so close to us but i imagine that if you're from omaha like the character of rosemary is mm-hmm. you come to the city with millions of people in it yet you feel so alone i agree and that's one of the the great feelings that i thought polanski captured in this everyone tells you that they're helping you and everybody tells you that they have your best interest in heart but really they're just in it for their own selfish gains well yeah and that also plays into just the the um I guess struggles of being a mother at the end of it all, right? Really, because you know that the idea that everyone you know is so excited that you're having this baby, and then when you have the baby, it's you know, they kind of cut you out. I want to, I want to, I want to rock the baby. I want to be with this thing forever. I want to treat it like it's my thing, like right. it's my special thing, right? And that you don't really matter, and you know, to the point where you you almost give the finger to the mom <laughs> in right. a lot of ways. There's a lot of interesting. Yeah, you think you know how to raise the baby better than she does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot of interesting like disregard for the mother in that way. So it's almost like, like, like looking out for the moms <laughs> in a really dark and disturbing way. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's so interesting. She's so alone in this. Yeah. Movie. She's so alone. Nobody is there for her. And like in a disappointing way, sometimes too, with like the husband, where it's like he's there's a bit of you that's like at first like he is such a good husband, but then as seems it, like a great husband. But then as it goes along, it's like fuck. He can get better. He's a great guy. And it's like you, you keep telling yourself he's a great guy because that's how he acts. And it's just it's just no, he's just he's awful. Right. He's a, he's the worst of the worst. Oh, my God. This movie's so disturbing. Yeah. It's so disturbing. The ending is so terrifying. I don't want to spoil it. I think we've spoiled enough of it. But because this is not like a boo got you kind of film. It's just like you walk away and you just feel defeated. It's just it's coming. It's coming. It's just like oh. it's coming. Mm-hmm. You know, something's wrong, but you can't do anything about it. This movie rapes you yeah jesus (laughs) well that's a nice thought the rape scene is horribly disturbing too yes it is oh my god yeah i love it i love it and i also like it too as like a a a study of a miscarriage yeah that that you can also interpret it that way i agree or or just like having a baby with disabilities or something Mm -hmm. you know like you at first think oh no how am i going to be able to raise this thing and then at the end what rosemary ultimately decides is that it's my baby gotta do it i'm the mother it's my responsibility no matter what they look like yeah gotta love this thing very it's, it's again so disturbing it's a but, cynical way of looking at it but that is sort of the theme of the movie yeah yeah bittersweet <laughs> kind of I, I don't know about that <laughs> yeah, i wouldn't go that far a lot yeah. more bitter than sweet yeah i love ruth gordon in this too i think she's just oh my tremendous God, she's great yeah we got to talk about her again when we get to harold and Maude. oh i cannot wait I fucking love that movie yeah i I uh, normally hate movies like this. And by the way, I still like hated it for those reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but you loved it. But I, I loved hated it. it, but I loved yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. it's not my type of movie. You know that. It's definitely my type of movie. Yeah. 
Um, but I certainly appreciated it, and it is, as you said, a master at work. Oh my god, Polanski! Like the direct, like, and you already said it, but the direction in this is just on point. Perfect. You don't, you don't get, you don't get stuff this good. I just love that opening shot of the city too. Oh it's yeah, just pans over it all with the pink text. Again, it's just, it just, it, it's so wrong, but it's so right. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah, stuff. Everything about the doctor's appointments, the oh, the every building they're in seems so off. I shouldn't. It's like you feel like you shouldn't be doing this. I know we shouldn't be here. We sh- we shouldn't be moving into this place. Yeah, we shouldn't be talking to these people. Shouldn't be talking. Right? It, oh man, it's so. It just sends shivers up your spine, and it just works because you never leave Rosemary's perspective too. You're always that's with true her. too. That's it, the thing too that works so it, so well. Exactly, constant mystery. But the thing I also liked about it is that it doesn't like over dramatize the 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 mystery. Sometimes, like there are times when it's really not cinematic as much there's just i don't know what it is it's just there's a constant feeling of something being wrong and a lot, i guess a lot of that is portrayed through uh, clearly what rosemary goes through but also the, i suppose the way she reacts to everything around her and the way information is slowly revealed to her which is why that ending is so just just a just a brick to the gut you yeah. know it's just so awful you know it's great rosemary's baby rosemary's fucking baby all right, those are the six movies. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. I have no idea where I'm going to go with this. I really don't. I guess we should start by eliminating some, shouldn't we? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to cross out bullet. Yeah. Okay. Because mm. we have to. Mm. I, I can't. I can't sign off on it. I haven't seen it. I like bullet. That's fine. Okay. I'm telling you right now. I do not feel as strongly about Night of the Living Dead. Keep it on. Fine. Okay. I also don't feel strongly about Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I, it's another one that I would have. Ah, fuck. I know it. It seems like really bad to be crossing off. It's a great year for an movies. iconic movie. Great year for movies. Yeah, but yeah, I guess you could cross it off. It's fine. Here's my thing. I need to. Re- I don't think we've chosen a movie that neither of us don't love. Mm-hmm. Like all four movies, we that that is. The, That's the point. Yeah. Yes. The three criteria are quality, impact, legacy. And we should consider all three. But the first criteria should be we love and embrace these. Sure. Although I know for 1982, I, the, the winner is I going, know. I going know. to be a movie that you don't love. It I just know. is. I know. But let's try for the sake of this podcast. Like, I, I do not feel strongly about Night of the Living Dead. Um Certainly not as strongly as I do the other three movies. No, and I, I could I could get there. I mean, I think I have... I'm getting mine narrowed down a, a little closer. I think the legacy... If you're going based off of legacy and, and impact, Night of the Living Dead is, I think, greater than Once Upon a Time in, in the West. It's not as good of a movie, but... Well, if it's not as good as a movie, I'm crossing it off. Automatically? Okay, yeah. Okay, we could do that. That's yeah. fine. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to cross it off if it's not as good. Right. Like, I, I do think, like, we should pick the... The the legacy and impact should be a tiebreaker. Sure, like they got to be movies that we love. I'm not going to nominate. I'm not going to put in a movie that I don't love. Okay. So those three movies, I don't. You know, I'm sorry. I haven't seen Bullet. I'm sure I'd love Bullet. Um, now if you want to talk about impact, I okay. Once upon a time in the West is not as impactful as the rest of the Leone catalog. Nope. Right. No. So like, man, I love it though. Yeah, I know. If you want to go on impact, it's 2001 outright. Right. Outright. It's not even a, it's not even worth discussing. Yeah. 
All right, what do you think of those three? What do you think about 2001 those? 2001 Rosemary's Baby. My favorite out of those three yeah. is Rosemary's Baby. Okay. Uh, impact, and then we get Impact, it's 2001. And Legacy, it's probably... <laughs> it might even be Rosemary's could Baby. Could be, could be, for yeah. sure. Could be. Am, am, ooh, am I leaning towards Rosemary's Baby? I thought I was going to do 2001. But it could be Rose. Mm. Man, I love Once Upon a Time in the West so I much. Know, I, I so. can't I can't help but like that's what my heart is telling me just because I watched it last night and it was a thrill. Yeah, I, I know. was thrilled by that movie. I was so happy you made me watch it. Yeah. I understand the argument though that it doesn't have much of a legacy. That doesn't mean it you can't be inducted though. It wouldn't bother me if it was inducted. If it's if it's, you know, a film that, you know, needs some sort of champions, that's okay. It's just it's not my first idea. Anyway, it's not my first pick. It's it, I, honestly out of those three, it, it would be my third pick. I would assume, yeah. Right, right now for me, it's it's between Rosemary's Baby and two thousand one. Okay, I'll cross off once upon a time. Ooh, ooh okay, I'll right. cross it off. And this is where it gets tough for me. It does because I'm at odds. Like I, I do like Rosemary's Baby a little bit more, uh, but the fuck, it's like, how it's like, how can you ignore the impact of two thousand one? And just how brilliant that movie ultimately is. So 2001 is by far and away the most impactful movie. Oh, yeah. By far yeah. and away. Yeah, yeah, Created yeah, yeah. an entire genre of movie. Essentially. And the, like the most popular genre of movie, too. Mm-hmm. Horror is the most popular genre, by the way. One of them. Horror, yes, it is the most popular genre. As much as you don't want to admit it. It's not, though. Yeah, it is. Dude, if a Star Wars movie comes out, like people are going to see that before they see the latest Scream movie. No, they're not. More more people are, are drawn to horror films when they mm-hmm. come out. Yeah. Traditionally, I'm pretty sure... Like, What are you fucking talking more about? More horror films get made. What are you fucking talking about? More horror... T- <laughs> six of the top ten highest grossing movies of all time are Star Wars movies. Of course, go for it. What are you saying? Yeah, I'm pretty The sure. highest grossing movie in America of all time is The Force Awakens. Wait, are we even arguing about this? Is that a debate? It's horror. I don't know. Just, wait a minute. What are you ba- what are you basing this on? I think part of it is just the, the amount of films that get made. Like the demand for horror well, is much cheap. is much higher. No, but the key with them is they're cheap. No, but it doesn't matter. The demand for horror films is much higher than the demand for science. What's uh, the high? Let's. I'm just, what high, is the, highest grossing film of all time is Avatar. Okay, what's the highest grossing horror movie of all time? Oh, it. It. Yeah. Which was like the fifth highest grossing movie of that year. Yeah. Okay, and the highest grossing American movie. Of all time is Star Wars: The Force Awakens, yes. and the highest movie worldwide is Avatar. Yeah, you also. Oh God, God, just answer my fucking question, you stupid phone. Pop. Ugh, I, I hate technology. You know that, Fuck. dude. Science fiction's where it's at, man. Oh, I prefer science fiction, but uh, well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just in terms of mainstream audiences. It's also you talked about Star Wars, though. That's well, like, that's part of it. No, it's it Star- is a science fiction movie. It's a bit of an outlier, if you ask me. Star Trek's an outlier. I don't know. It doesn't make as much money as some horror films. Star Trek? No, not really. You're just talking about Star Wars. I mean, aren't well? All right, whatever. Yeah, don't I, worry about it. Whatever. It's the highest grossing horror movie of all time. Yeah. See, then I I can't say that this is like 
<laughs> so it's not even close. Like if that's the number one horror movie and Star Wars is the number one sci-fi movie, but it's it, like, far more horror movies have been made than science fiction movies. Exactly. But yet, the highest-grossing sci-fi movie is the highest-grossing horror movie. The highest-grossing is, is, is higher than the highest-grossing horror movie. But that's again for me. That's just because it's Star Wars. It's, it's, it's sort of an outlier. It doesn't really encompass all of science fiction. Whatever. You know, Ex Machina was not was you know great, but it wasn't raking in nearly as great numbers as most of the horror films that came out that year, or even her for that matter. Like I said, it's kind of just, uh, um, uh, yeah, just Star Wars. Blade Runner didn't make any money. True that. So yeah. True that. This is hard for me, actually. Ah. Here's the thing. You're right, though. Rosemary's Baby is referenced a lot. Like it was a popular movie when it came out. Yes, I and no, it, and and I even though I've never seen it, like I I hear it referenced all the time. I but the two thousand one is also referenced as well. Certainly, yeah, quite a bit. That music, especially. That is tough, man. Oh God, I'm having a really tough time. I don't know. I uh. All right. Um. Okay. Let's let's. Uh, mm. All right. Okay. Let's do this. Fuck. Which one do you like better? I have a deeper fondness for Rosemary's Baby, but I would, I would honestly, it, it feels wrong, uh, uh, going against two thousand one this way. It's so impactful. That's the problem. It's it, for movie Hall of Fame. You know, the, the, to me, that doesn't make sense in a way to not not to not include uh, two thousand one. It's just one of those movies. I am not. A fan of just putting in the obvious choice. That's the, yeah, and that's the, the issue here. I am here. not into that. I know. I am not into just. Oh, you have an obligation. It is your sacred duty <laughs> as hosts of this stupid podcast you made up. Yeah, I don't. To decide, no, fuck that, man. This is our podcast. All right, we do what the hell we want here. Okay. So there's listen. There's no force. There's no governing body. And it's going to get mad at you if we put in Rosemary's Baby instead of 2001. <laughs> so let me assure you of that right now. All right. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. We I, can make up whatever decision we want to make. All right. I'm very calm here. I have to pee really bad, but Here's I'm Here's my decision. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. I like Rosemary's Baby more. So do I. Then it's in. Okay. It's in! <laughs> wow. Sweet. Interesting. I didn't think this was going to happen. <laughs> Wow, did not think it was going to go that way either. Wow, interesting. Cool. You know what? I'm going to listen to my heart on that. I feel right. All right, cool. That feels right. I'm fine with it. One of the few criterions I don't own, which I'm ashamed that I don't own, by the way. Whoa. Why the fuck don't I own Rosemary's Baby? Whoa. Okay. Weird, yeah. Dude, I seriously, that movie, just watched a few hours ago, but that hit me like a wrecking ball, that movie. As it should. Yeah. <laughs> it's excellent. And it's not an eco movie. No. But I, I loved it, and I loved it once upon a time in the West. This was so much fun, man. Yeah, this was an interesting one for us. Good Rosemary's ex- Baby. Good exploration of our tastes, I think, for this yeah. one. Yeah. You know what, man? We've only been doing this for about six weeks. I'm so happy we started doing this. <laughs> yeah. This has legitimately been, I hope the listeners feel the same way, it's been one of the most fun things about doing podcasts yeah. over the last couple months, is digging back, watching movies that I haven't watched and that would I, I would never have an excuse to watch, mm-hmm. you know. And it's also given me like an opportunity to research these movies, yeah, and learn more about them. It's 
It's so cool. You're welcome, by the way, for Once Upon a Time in the West. Thanks, man. And I suppose Rosemary's. I'm so happy that's in my life now. (laughs) Once Upon a Time in the West is in my life. It's going to live in my head. It's a sweet movie. Harmonica is going to be in my head, man. Yeah. Henry Fonda is Frank. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Frank. Frank. That's great. Dude, I love it. All right, Rosemary, look at that. Such a weird choice. Rosemary's Baby in the Movie Hall of Fame. Beating out 2001. Wow. Yeah, Twitter might not be so happy with us. No, they won't. All right, (laughs) relax, film Twitter. Relax. It's our podcast. Fuck you. Yeah, Fuck you. I'm going to wake up tomorrow (laughs) happy with this decision. We're just going to put a bunch of fuck yous on our show. Fuck you. Yeah, man. Listen, let us know. I'm going to put up a Twitter poll. You can vote on it if you listen to this early enough. What was the best movie in 1968? Holy shit, we didn't draft yet. No. We don't have... Oh, fuck. Uh, Dude, I just realized that. Man. Mm, 79. Let's do it. 79. 1979. It's a fantastic year for movies. Oh, fuck. All right. Well, I don't know what came out in 1979. Oh, I know a few. All right. Should we just do this? Yeah, let's do it right now. All right. So I have to do this on the fly? You'll just pass the tablet or iPad to me, and then I'll, I'll, I'll give you my pick. Okay. To me, it's a little more obvious. Than oh, I think. oh my! Yeah, it's a fantastic, oh my, unbelievable year from. Oh my, oh my, dude! You just like threw this on me. Yeah. All right, I reserve the right to change this midweek, but we'll do a draft. Okay. Um. Can, okay. I, can I go first? Yeah, go. Ooh. Take take your movie. Just take 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 your movie and let me go. All that jazz. What are you being strategic with me now? Yeah, I am being strategic. Oh fuck you, dude. <laughs> um. All right, apocalypse now. All right, go. You're making me take Alien. all the obvious ones? Okay, no, I see. Got it. Um, dude. Dude. <laughs> yeah, this year sucks, but whatever. We're fine. We'll live. Oh, uh, whoa! <laughs> <sighs> Oh, the Muppet movie. <laughs> <laughs> you heard me. Why are you laughing? Why do you find that so funny? That is great shit. What's so, no, it's ser- I'm serious. That's how I feel. Okay. The Muppet movie. Hold on. Dude, scroll all the way down. I think you're missing some, bro. Dude, we're just doing 1979. I'm really not. I was not prepared to do this. I know. You're going to make me be the bad guy, and I don't like this. I don't like that you get to go first. We should have flipped a coin for this shit. I don't like it. Oh, wow. This is great radio, by the way. Uh, Fucking us going balls. Like we're constipated. Uh, We are constipated. Might as well be. This is fucked up. I'm so. Oh, man. We didn't didn't prepare for this. Shit. Oh. Oh my god, I forgot about a few of these. I know. I can't do it. I can't believe I just put the Muppet movie in, but I have to. You haven't seen all that jazz? No. I assume, otherwise... That's Bob Fosse, right? Um, I'm really torn here. Stalker's on this list. Dude, you're not gonna put fucking Stalker on the list, dude. There's like four, four obvious choices. 
Just go with one of them. Well, that one seems pretty Do obvious. not put Stalker on the list. That one seems pretty You're obvious. You're not doing this. <laughs> You're not springing this stupid draft on me, and then I'm going to have to choose between being there and Kramer versus Kramer. That's not going to happen. Pick an obvious choice and pass the tablet, for God's sake. I hate you. Why do I do this podcast with you? <laughs> Fucking stalker. Don't dangle that over my head. Amityville Horror is pretty good. Stop! Stop! Stop it! Quit messing around. You just picked the Muppet movie, Man, by the way. Quit Why did you pick around. the Muppet it's movie? It's in. It's in. Nothing I can do about you, it now. You, but Escape from Alcatraz is also on. <laughs> pick, you gotta pick one. You gotta pick one. Manhattan. Wow. Did not think you were going there. Oh, my. You just said Manhattan? Mm-hmm. Just go with being there, please. Make me feel good. Dude, Rocky Two came out that year? Yeah, no. <laughs> no. That's one of the Rocky movies I actually like, but... China Syndrome? No. The Warriors? No. Being, yeah, being there is great. Kramer v. Kramer. Okay. Kramer versus Kramer. All right. That's fine. I agree. All right. Yeah. Rough year. And it sucks because I already know which two I'm going to pick. Right. But it's like, fuck. If we have to nominate. Actually, I have three that I'll pick, believe it or not. There are three that you're, it's going to take a while to squeeze something out of me for this one. All right, I I reserve the right to change the Muppet movie to being there later on in the week. Okay, but I don't think Thank I'm you. gonna. What? <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna. Are you for real? Maybe I'll text you in a few days and I'll think about it. When's the last? Dude, any... Life of Brian came out that year. I know that was the other one. I would put Life of Brian on there above the Muppets movie. Oh no, you're sadly mistaken. Ugh. Sit down, and watch the Muppet movie again. Jesus. Yeah, I'm I'm cool with that. Maybe okay. I'll think about it. No Listen, the only we know we know what the contenders are. So who cares, right? Yeah, theoretically. I don't know. There's unless, a third one in there. Unless I watch Rainbow Connection again this week, and I'm like, <laughs> you know what? This might be better than fucking Apocalypse Now. <laughs> That's gonna be a rough one, man. Why I'm, are there so many songs about rainbows? Ah, uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking about it now. Like fucking hell. I mean, okay, I, I think right, I know which right, one you'll right, go with, right, but this, right. that's going to be a battle. All right. All right. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm not ready for this. All right. 1979. That's what we're doing next week. Catch up with those six movies. The Muppet movie. Manhattan. I cannot believe you chose Manhattan. I liked Manhattan. Wow. I'm, I'm shocked that I wasn't the one to put it on there. Yeah. Wow. Manhattan is awesome. Kramer versus Kramer. Apocalypse Now. Alien. And uh, what was the sixth one? Did you say All That Jazz? And All That Jazz. Wow. Oh, my God. What a diverse list. Great. I have to watch All That Jazz between now and next week. All right. I'm excited. This is a great podcast. I love this. <laughs> uh, what a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, I'm patting myself on the back for this yeah, one. Yeah. Good for you. We're a little more dead inside every year. Or every... Well, yeah. Every year. Yeah. That works. Every year. We're well, that's definitely dead. true. But also every week on this podcast. <laughs> uh, tweet us at TMT underscore media. Why is this a thing? is lit man yeah it's it been is. lit this it's, last few days it's the place to be guys yeah check it out it's like it's new york's hottest club all you people who go to, uh, to disneyland don't go to disneyland just listen to our podcast and stay at home why is this a thing we did an interview with bob kraskowski mm. and bryce wagner check those out the directors of all i'm sorry after porn ends 
and the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. That's right. We had such a great time with those two. A ton of fun. Both are available on the website, toomanythoughtsmedia.com or tmt.media. I'm really loving these interviews that we, we conjure up. Yeah, they've Solid. been great, man. Yeah. It's one of the great things about podcasting. You just make these random connections with people. <laughs> and like those are like just two awesome names. Bryce just texted me the other day about, you did? about something. I'll give you an update after we, we finish. Can we make a movie with Bryce? Well, no, I don't know about that. Damn. Maybe. I'm sure he'd make a movie with us. Did we ever talk about, was it, or actually I won't, I won't say it on the air. So that guy that he talked to who was worth a lot of money. No, I, I haven't gotten to the bottom of that. Okay. Yeah. But check out those interviews. Why is this a thing is the podcast to listen to. Mm-hmm. Love you so very, very much. And until next time. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck these quotes. Uh, do, you you do your once upon a time in the West. Just go. Can't trust his pants. How can you trust him? 